Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined once again by Jordan Climac. Jordan, how you doing on, on this fine evening? I'm doing well, man. Hanging in there, just trying to get to this 4th of July weekend. Going to have some fun this weekend, man. So just, you know, a little, little Browns talk to get us into the weekend, basically. For, for those of you that don't know, Jordan's birthday is uh, is coming ah. up on Friday. So everybody wish him a happy birthday on, on Twitter or if you have his number, text him. Wish him a happy birthday. But you were also saying before we jumped on here that you're getting a week off to, to go do some golfing yeah, and get the mind right before before training camp begins. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, pretty much starting at the end of July when training camp starts all the way through the end of the football season. Obviously, you know, being in this business, Henry, that's the grind. Like there's football season is a grind. That's, you know, working six, seven days a week. So, yeah, before we get there, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to take some time off. Got the birthday coming up. Got the fourth coming up. Had some great weather here in Cleveland. Henry, we were pushing 100 degrees today here in Cleveland. So I got to get out and golf. That's really all it comes down to. I was like, <laughs> I, I need some time off. I need to get to the beach. I need to golf. I need to do all that. So, yeah, you have a little week off here. Come. Well, before you get in that relaxed headspace, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you to a place where you're not going to be in a relaxed headspace, Jordan, because the place we got to start today is with Mike Tannenbaum, who had the quote today on, on Get Up that called Baker Mayfield, a, you know, the exact quote is, Baker Mayfield is very much a replaceable part. He's had one productive season out of three. That is not greatness at the quarterback position. At best, he is the fifth best QB in the AFC. So uh, Mike Tannenbaum expressing skepticism. He There are many people on the Brown side rushing to defend Baker today. Jordan, what was your take on, on all of this? My take on all of this was like, why? why is – who the hell is giving Mike Tannenbaum the platform to open his mouth? Like, I, that was my – like, Henry, I, like, it, I'm really convinced at this point that, like, ESPN is going around to, you know, these guys like a Mike Tannenbaum, these other guys who just seem to, whenever they're on one of these shows, just come out with one of these controversial takes. Like, are they like picking names out of a hat? Like, oh, you picked Mike Tannenbaum's name out of a hat. You're going to be the guy that just like says illogical, irrational things about Baker Mayfield. And he's like, okay, that's fine. I can do that. Like, I don't understand like where this comes from. I mean, he's, we're on like a, a three week stretch of Mike Tannenbaum once a week, like, Hold on. He said, what about Baker? He said this about Baker. He said that about Baker. I, I don't get it. What do he, yeah, what, what does he have out for Baker? Like, and, and are we going to sit here and be and not, you know, the elephant in the room that Mike Tannenbaum was a terrible GM himself. Like, why is anyone listening to anything Mike Tannenbaum has to say? Didn't do anything with the Jets. Didn't do anything with the Dolphins. Yet we're going to sit here and, and I'm going to listen to you evaluate the quarterback. You drafted Mark Sanchez. I like <laughs> stop. I just I don't get it. I I really don't get it, Henry. Well, he's just he's wrong. He's wrong. First of all, the the, the quote, you know, the the very much a replaceable part was the headline, but yeah. the context is wrong because he said he's had one productive season out of three. That's not true. Exactly. He's had two. It's not in true. fact, he he said like, the touchdown record. Of? Like I don't are know what is he basing it off of wins and losses. I mean, like he was seven eight and one in that rookie year. I whatever. Like okay, we didn't make the playoffs. It was a terrible 2019 year. Bounces back in the right situation next year. I just don't get it. And the other thing that he said about it was he tried to be like, well, you know, we saw 
Case Keenum. We saw Kirk Cousins succeed in in Kevin Spansky's offense. And so he's basically getting at the point at that like anyone can succeed in in Stefanski's offense. So like that quarterback piece becomes replaceable. And it's just like, dude, you're just like Henry, there's some times where people nationally and like I don't I'm not not even to sit here and like give you and I or the people that do what we do and follow the Browns in a day in and day out basis too much credit, but at the same time, we're around the team. We see, you know, we're in the locker room. We're, we're at practice. We see these guys. We see, you know, we see everything firsthand. And then these guys like a Mike Tannenbaum, these guys who are sitting back from a national perspective are looking at this thing with not the same lenses that we are because we're there every single day. We see these people. We see how everything operates. These guys are talking about it from a larger perspective. I just wonder if that plays into it as well, Henry. It's one of those things where, like, are you sure you even really know what you're talking about? It's just not a very nuanced take, and that and that's my biggest problem with it, right? Because we've talked about this, you know, we as much as we follow the team, we're, we still, you know, are doing our best to be objective. And there's some uncertainty around Baker, right? Like, you know, given the fact that he had that down second year, given all the different head coaching changes, you know, whether he's closer to the fifth best quarterback or the 15th best quarterback is still TBD for me. I mean, if he plays like he did the last eight games of the season last year, I mean, he's really pushing towards that top five conversation. Whereas if it, you know, he could be, you know, the first eight games, he could be somewhere closer to, to 15. So I could see that side of the argument, but, 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 but that is ignoring what, what happened last year with Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski challenged Baker quite a bit from a schematic standpoint, and he delivered. He delivered at all three levels of the field. He was great on play action. He was great on the move. He did all of these different things in Stefanski's system without an offseason. And again, with his third head coach in three years. So that's not replaceable. The idea, if you have a quarterback that can deal with all of those circumstances and play at the level Baker did, Browns fans know as well as anybody, that is not replaceable. <laughs> it's hard to find a quarterback that can do those things. Here's the other thing, and there's two more points on this, and then we'll move on. But first off, if, if you listen to the full quote, he says, in this in this rant, I guess I'll call it a rant, he says, at worst, or at best, Baker is the fifth best quarterback in the AFC. What? Like, what? You, you're going to say the fifth best quarterback in the AFC is a replaceable piece? How does that make sense? And then you have to look at it from another perspective as well, Henry. Like these things go, like you have to look at this by a team by team basis. Okay. Every situation for every team and every quarterback is different. You and I, basically the same age, Henry. Baker Mayfield is basically the first quarterback we've seen have success in the Browns uniform. And that means sustained success. Okay. We saw Derek Anderson do it one year. You know, we've seen Hoyer do it one year. I'm talking about a guy that you can keep building on and building on and building on. And he's the first guy. It took us 19 years to get to this point. And now you're here. Now you're talking about this guy is replaceable. Like, no, no, no. For the Browns, this is exactly what they need. He's far from replaceable. He was the right guy to take over this franchise from a personality standpoint. Moxie, what he brings to the team, what he brings to the locker room. All that, to me, is 1,000% irreplaceable. You got to look at it by a team by team basis, Murray. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, he's been able, uh, you know, it's circumstances one, it's the what he was asked compared to the people like a Case Keenum in Kevin Stefanski's system. Yes, Kevin Stefanski did great work with Case Keenum that one season. 
But that's not something that would have been sustainable. What he's done with Baker in terms of the variety that they've introduced to this offense is something that's going to be sustainable long-term. Even if Baker isn't quite at the level he was at the end of last season, it's still going to be productive. And that's not something you could necessarily say uh, about Stefanski's previous marriages with other quarterbacks. So you can't separate head coach from, from quarterback. You can't do it. I mean, you can try your best, but ultimately they have to work well together these guys work well together. And even if Baker Mayfield is the 13th best quarterback in the NFL, that is not replaceable at all by any means. So that part bothered me because the terminology is wrong. And then the, the, the context he was trying to back it up with was also wrong. So it's just, it was wrong. It was a big swing and a miss. He went down on three pitches. <laughs> That's yeah. all it was. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it, it was just not, 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 uh, something, it was something that got Browns fans riled up that almost shouldn't have because it was just a, a clearly bad take. It was clearly bad. I am willing to entertain people who have more doubts about Baker Mayfield than I do, but totally. this was an uneducated, doubtful take, uh, as far as he's concerned. Now, what we were originally going to talk about on this podcast today, Jordan, is <laughs> coaching rankings and specifically where Kevin Stefanski stacks up among them. We've had this as a topic, a potential topic for the podcast for quite a while, but it now becomes relevant today because CBS Sports actually came out with a list uh, of their top coaches ranked and they had Kevin Stefanski 13th uh, on that list. So that was also a good jumping off point for uh, this conversation, Jordan. It's funny. I, when I had done this exercise before, you know, with the idea that we were one day going to do this podcast and basically the first seven coaches on the list, I felt like were pretty inarguable as far as coaches that you would say right now are better than Kevin Stefanski only because of a, a longer proven track record, right? And so right. those seven guys are Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, John Harbaugh, Sean Payton, Sean McDermott, Sean McVay, and Pete Carroll. I had all of those guys written down as pretty surefire locks, the exact same seven that CBS Sports did. Uh, you know, maybe a slight tweak in the order. Jordan, do you have any disagreement with that as far as those seven guys, you really couldn't make an argument for Kevin Stefanski to be in front of right now? Uh, the only two would, I guess, in that top seven would be Sean McDermott and Pete Carroll. But uh, to me, it's just uh, this comes down to are you talking about what have you done late for me? Are you talking about last year going into this year? Or are you talking about like overall resume? And looking at this list, to me, it seems like an overall resume list. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And I, um, frankly, I think Sean McVay, or not Sean McVay, Sean McDermott's done an incredible job in Buffalo. I would love to have yeah. him, you know, uh, and, and he's done it for longer. So, it, Pete former Carroll, uh, the Browns, uh, if you remember back in the day, it went with Mike Pettin over Sean McDermott, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do remember, uh, sadly. Uh, but hey, it, it worked out. The, I think yeah. having, having an offensive mind as your coach to me is better in general. And I'd love to argue with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll does a lot of things where you want to bang your head against the wall. Uh, and, and so you could argue he hasn't gotten the most out of that Seahawks team at times. But also, the guy's been to multiple Super Bowls at this point. It's hard to argue anybody, you know, with a limited experience over a guy that's been to multiple Super Bowls, right? Like, I don't think Pete yeah. Carroll's a perfect coach by any means, but 
I, I also don't think you, you can start sliding him behind some of these guys who have had great runs, you know, one, two, three runs. But I mean, we're talking about a different level uh, for me as far as when Pete, you know, you bring Pete Carroll's full resume into the conversation, like you were saying. Yeah. And, but the thing with Pete Carroll is I still, to this day, I, I, I can't, I can't get over the, the, you know, the, the goal line play in the Super Bowl of having Marshawn Lynch and deciding to throw the ball to one, like, that was just a bad coaching decision. It, it was. I mean, there was no way around it. That was a bad move. I mean, I, I understand that we're not going to, you know, his overall resume probably outdoes that. But, like, that. I mean, that was the last big, big game the Seahawks were in, and that's what he did in it. So, I don't know. The bottom line here is, though, like, it, it, it is an overall resume list. And Kevin Spanky is one year into his coaching career and already has some hardware. So, there's, without a doubt, when we get down to this line, I mean, Henry, I think we can both sit here and say that we're hoping that, you know, the Kevin, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Berry front office, that pairing with the coaching staff, this is going to be like a 10-year thing for the Browns. That's what we're hoping for, right? Can't sit here and say that for sure. But down the line, we're hoping for like a John Harbaugh type situation, a Mike Tomlin type situation, how long those guys have been head coaches for the Ravens and the Steelers. The Browns are hoping for that, that Kevin Stefanski is that guy for five to 10 years to come. So there's still a chance for him to move up this, but I understand where he's at right now. That's interesting. That's interesting that you say that because when I did my, my own personal list, I struggled with the next three guys that, that came up and how good of coaches they are. As far as Bruce Arians, he's number eight on this list. I get that he just won the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay. I haven't always loved Bruce Arians as a coach, actually. I, and I think there's there is a case to be made that, I, again, Kevin Stefanski's only been in the league one year, so I guess he can't. But I I don't know, man. I, I If we're starting next season, I still think you, you know, you would say, you know, I could see somebody saying, I want Pete Carroll because I know what he's done. I know I can count on that not being a one-year thing, right? Because we've seen this yeah. with coaches as well as quarterbacks. Some people figure out the systems a little bit, the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and then those guys adjust. And so that may happen to Kevin Stefanski a little bit this year. But following Pete Carroll, these next three guys, Bruce Arians, Matt LaFleur, and Mike Tomlin. Yeah. If you're telling me right now to start next season, if I'd rather have one of those three guys with Kevin Stefanski, I think it's a real debate with all three. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I, I think Bruce Arians is a little bit of a better coach. I mean, go back to his offensive coordinator resume, too. I think he's been a pretty good offensive mind for a long time. Obviously, he had some shortcomings in Arizona. But, I mean, they can't. I, I know you can make the argument like, hey, Tom Brady came over and, you know, he inherited this almost, I'm using air quotes, super team in Tampa Bay. But at the same time, we saw the Browns get a quote-unquote super team and watch that blow up in their face. So I think that a coach like that had to be a good coaching job last year to get everything out of that Bucks team in one year and win the Super Bowl and doing so. I think that it's almost an underrated coaching job by Bruce Arians at this point. But that's really the best kind of success that we've seen from him. The real head scratcher here, Henry, is Matt LaFleur. The hell is Matt LaFleur done? I, I mean, no. I know you can sit here and say the championship game and all that, but like, I don't know. I don't look at Matt Floor as a top 10 coach in the NFL. I certainly don't. The 
the number, you know, the wins and losses would tell you that that he's done a pretty great job the last couple of years as far as this Packers, you know, they I mean, not only did they make the NFC championship game last year, what were they 13 and three in the regular yeah. season? I mean, that pretty outstanding record. I'm there with you though, actually. I am not super impressed by by Matt LaFleur. Um, I thought even in Tennessee, he was a little overrated as far as his offenses were. Uh, talked about I just they're they're good they win games but some of the underlying metrics with them aren't as outstanding as you would think I gosh I mean he's right in the conversation for me with Kevin Stefanski but what I think ultimately is the separator with Kevin Stefanski is and this frankly this may have to do with the quarterbacks they're dealing with but Kevin Stefanski seemed like he had a total buy-in from the culture of his team whereas Mm -hmm. Matt LaFleur made one mistake and it seemed like everybody turned on him pretty immediately from that Packers side. And here's the thing on that too. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, knowing the kind of egotistical maniac that he is, I think that he looks at himself as like this super mind, this almost genius type mind of a football player. And I think that he's been longing for someone that he can pair with uh, from a coaching standpoint, that he also is like that genius type mind. So if he's asking out of Green Bay, He's been very open about saying that. Wouldn't doesn't Matt LaFleur play Matt LaFleur play into that as well? If he was this great coach, don't you think that and, and Aaron Rodgers had success with him for a couple years? Don't you think Rodgers was saying, like, no, 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 we have the right guy in place. I don't need to go anywhere. We're gonna keep building with this guy. Like, don't you think that would play into it as well? That's what I was alluding to earlier. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's Matt LaFleur's problem or if that's an, an Aaron Rodgers problem. Yeah. That's it, the tough part there. It's like Shane Woodley problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But when when I did my my own personal list of coaching rankings, I actually had Matt LaFleur one spot behind Kevin Stefanski, and I had Mike Tomlin even further down the list as far as coaches are, uh, you know, are concerned. Tomlin, look, he hasn't had a losing record with the Steelers. That part is incredible. They Say it again. Have, say it again. Because that's, I mean, he hasn't had, overall resume. Like, come on now. <laughs> like, but, but that being said, he's had some pretty – he's gotten clowned by, by some other coaches in some pretty cl- critical moments. Like the Steelers, when they lost to the Jaguars, was just Mike Tomlin getting outcoached aggressively. There have been several games that the Steelers have had in in the playoffs in particular where he's really come up short schematically. So it's a tough balance to weigh. I see the argument for Mike Tomlin, but because he's not an offensive mind, because, frankly, I don't think he's a great schematic on the defensive side of the football either. Yeah. You're relying on the intangible piece, right? And it's hard for me to determine how much of that is Mike Tomlin or how much of that is the infrastructure that has existed in that organization for a long time. They've had Big Ben for his whole career. Now, he's gotten the team to perform without Big Ben in a couple of injury situations, but they've pretty much always had great players. They've pretty much always had a great roster. He's had good coaches surrounding him. I think I, I and there's a weird there are weird whispers about Mike Tomlin sometimes that maybe not everybody loves him. So I I'm a little lower on him than I think the consensus. Yeah. I just think I look back to it. Like you talked about, if you're starting a franchise from scratch and you're drafting these coaches and you can say, look at a guy and say, 
This guy has never gone under 500 in his career. So basically, if you get him, you're basically guaranteed to be at least fighting for wild card spot year in and year out. And I don't think you can say enough. But to go back to kind of just counterpoint that and to go back to what you were saying about maybe not every player loving him, I do think that he did lose the locker room a couple of years ago, right? You remember that Antonio Brown situation where they were like filming a, a post-game speech and everything that went down with that? I do think that he lost the locker room a little bit. And you made a great point about the schematics, right? The problem with the Steelers is I feel like year in and year out, it's like, is this the right offensive coordinator? Is that the right offensive coordinator? Maybe it's not. Big Ben doesn't get along with this guy. And it all goes back to the fact that Mike Tomlin isn't an offensive mind. Of course, I had a little bit of defensive background from when he, you know, his time in Minnesota. But I think that Mike Tomlin is that um, he's that motivator type coach, right? Like he's the guy that can give you that, you know, pregame speech in the locker room that gets you ready to go to the game. He could say something to you during the game that kind of gets you to click from a motivational standpoint. Not the biggest schematic guy. So it kind of comes down to your preference there. Do you prefer the schematics or do you prefer the kind of, you know, um, motivating tactics that he can maybe reach deeper and bring something out of a guy that maybe a schematic type coach wouldn't be able to. It really just comes down to preference at that point, I think. Yeah, I just think as I was going through this list, I default to the guys where I can see the tangible impact they have, where it's on the offensive or defensive side of the football I can see they're calling plays. They're drawing things up that I'm like, okay, that is the coach changing the outcome of this game. Because with some of the intangible stuff, as I said, it's just hard for me to separate. And so that's why I had Mike, I I had uh, Mike Tomlin pretty far down out of, out of these 16 guys. I originally only had 14 uh, in my list of of coaches. And I actually didn't have Mike Tomlin in that top 14. I kind of split it into tiers. And then he started my third tier at 15. Now, th- this article goes with the top 16 coaches, so, you know, the, the, the half of the league. But, yeah, I had him all the way down at 15. Uh, I thought some of the other guys on here, the one I had way higher on this list, uh, Jordan, was Kyle Shanahan. And while Kyle Shanahan can be annoying, well, I thought some of the draft talk with him got out of hand as far as, hey, he can take Mac Jones and just do all of these incredible things. His offensive schemes really are that good. And I, I was surprised he was all the way down at 11, to be honest. I was like, really? Like, what what more do people need to see from Kyle Shanahan after what he's done with Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, like all this stuff? Yeah, but it's, it's interesting because I look at Kyle Shanahan and, and you have a great point, but like, are we sure that he's that great with quarterbacks? I think that Kyle Shanahan is a great from a schematic offensive standpoint with a running game everything he's able to do with using multiple tight end sets. I think he's very similar to Kyle or Kevin Stefanski, excuse me, in, in, in terms of what he's able to do from, I mean, look at his time in Cleveland. Brian Hoyer was a game manager. The Browns were absolutely running the ball with Isaiah Crowell and Terrence West. And both of those guys saw success in the running game week in and week out. It could have been, you know, either one of those guys. I think that Kyle, and then, and then we see it, you know, last year, with these random guys coming up from the, the Niners I think that Kyle Shanahan is able to get from an offensive line from a tight end and how he's able to scheme up the run game I think that's really where his bread and butter comes from offensively I don't necessarily look at him as this quarterback whisperer as he's kind of perceived across the league I think that's a great point and it's under discussed when talking about not only Kyle Shanahan but all of those guys in that tree Sean McVay as well as like this Matt LaFleur is like this and Kevin Stefanski is like this 
they're great at using the run. And, and that's what, if anything, that's what makes their systems quarterback friendly is yeah. it's actually not as dependent on the quarterback. They do great job, do great things in the run game. I think it's under talked about what Stefanski did in the run game and some of the adjustments he made, you know, potentially with Bill Callahan involved as well from an offensive line perspective. And then once you do that, it does open the game up for the quarterback because you get the play action going. And that's how, I mean, the numbers poured out this year, how successful Baker Mayfield was in, in the play action game this year. And I do think that's, that's a staple of, uh, of Shanahan as well is it get make getting the run game going to ultimately make things easier for the quarterback. But I think you're right. As far as development, developing the skills of a quarterback, that's different. And, and I, and if you look at the guys that, that he's left from, it's not like, they maintained a great level by any means. It's a lot of, oh, remember when they were really good with Kyle Shanahan. So I think from a skill development standpoint, you're right. And that is a, a fair criticism to point out of Shanahan is, okay, yes, he's getting the most out of his scheme with them, but he's not necessarily developed them for the long term. which if he wants to be one of the, you know, uh, in the conversation with the very top, the Bill Belichick's, the Andy Reeds, he's got to have that long-term quarterback to go along with him. Yeah, and he'll certainly get his shot this year, right, with Trey Lance and moving forward. So we'll see how this plays out with uh, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, so I had, when, when in total with this list, I had Stefanski 11th. Uh, I the, the two guys I had behind him, as I mentioned, were Mike, Matt LaFleur and Mike Tomlin. I actually thought the, the rest of the list was pretty clean. Um, and these top 16 guys in general, I thought were pretty clean. Jordan, how do you feel about this? Is there, out of the 12 guys in front of Stefanski, any of them you think he should jump, or do you feel like 13 was about right? Any guys you think behind him should actually go in front of him? Rabel, Flores, Zimmer, one of those guys as well? Yeah, so if I'm looking at the list, Henry, uh, Stefanski at 13 right now. I just think his resume, everything he's done last year, you know, with the Browns franchise being where it was, where he was able to restore them, getting that playoff win in Pittsburgh, having them on the brink of beating the Chiefs, what he was able to do with Baker after, you know, the terrible year that Baker had in 2019. I just think everything Stefanski has done warrants him being at least a spot ahead of Frank Reich at 12. None of the guys below him, like a Mike Vrabel, a Mike Zimmer, Brian Flores, I don't think any of those guys are worthy of leapfrogging either Stefanski or Reich. But if I was going to move Stefanski up, I'd move him up a spot ahead of Frank Reich, Henry. I thought about that and I, I had the, my initial inkling was the same as yours, Jordan, that is Frank Reich's res resume, you know, as, as impressive. And then when I went and, and looked it up, uh, I, I did remember some of these things in a little bit more detail. And so he's also made it to the divisional round. They made it to the divisional round in 2018 when they were 10 and six before losing to the Chiefs in that game. Then seven and nine with Jacoby Brissett when your starting quarterback retires mid preseason, also pretty impressive. Even though you don't make the playoffs, and then with Philip Rivers, yeah. eleven and five last year too. And let's not forget they were pretty close to winning that game uh, against Buffalo in Buffalo last year. So I, I I had them just right above Kevin Stefanski, splitting hairs. Both very impressive resumes. Both similar, like you said, in terms of getting a lot out of the offense, getting a lot out of the quarterback. Reich is a little bit more of a quarterback whisperer in my eyes as well, compared to some of the guys we've already talked about on the list, but he's only gone, you know, so far too. So I, I see the argument for Stefanski. I'd have right just one spot ahead of them. And then as you talked about the other guys, 
I like Brian Flores a lot. I thought splitting hairs though. Again, he's a defensive minded coach. If you, if they can't get the most out of Tua, that's the problem with having a defensive minded coach that really hurts you there. And I thought Chan Gailey did a really poor job last year, especially in the red zone with that team when they had Fitzpatrick or Tua, I thought he was doing a bad job and, and Flores wasn't able to correct that. I do like Zimmer more than most Jordan. You'll appreciate this as a betting guy, but basically Mike Zimmer has the second best record against the spread of any really? coach besides <laughs> Bill Belichick. Uh, so I do think he's been over underrated over the years, but I also think number one defensive mind, like I've talked about, I'm, I'm just not quite as high on those guys in general. If you have the option, I understand Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time is a defensive mind, but for the most part, it, it seems like it's trending toward the offensive minds in this league. And if you get a good offensive coordinator, they get hired as a head coach. So uh, I, I lean away from Mike Zimmer. I also think the last two years have not done him uh, well either. So I think he's he's struggling, you know, to find his right place because he doesn't have an offensive coordinator that he can rely on now that his offensive coordinator is the coach of the Browns. Right. And, and that's the funny part about that, too, is because we like, you know, you talked about um going back to that Mike Cannonbaum thing about he, how he was talking about what, you know, Kevin Stefanski was able to get out of Case Keenum and Kirk Cousins. Like the conversation wasn't what like Zimmer was able to get out of those guys. It was about what Kevin Stefanski was able to get out of those, those guys. I think the Vikings really, really missed Stefanski and it showed last year. So if that's the case and you poach him away from the Vikings and he comes to the Browns and the Browns have the success that they had, I don't know how you could possibly ever think Mike Zimmer could be over Kevin Stefanski on this list. Yeah, I, I think at this point, it could be a, a tougher argument. He does have a, a solid resume, but going forward, I, I don't think most teams are, are picking Kevin or are picking Mike Simmer over Kevin Stefanski. All right, well, then that will do it for this episode of The Rebuild. We'll be back on this feed maybe next week after the holiday. I'll, I'll, I actually have a, I have a guest lined up that we've been trying to get on for a couple weeks, Jordan. So maybe I'll do Ooh. that. Keep... Uh, because you'll be you'll be off golfing. We don't want to bother you while you're on the course. Yeah. So, you know, and, and Jordan will be ready. He'll be back uh, refreshed in a few weeks on the feed with me as we get ready for training camp. Plenty more to discuss, but uh, we'll cut it off there. So uh, until next time, Browns fans, just two words for you. Go Browns.